What's up, Football MD fam? Welcome to another episode of the Football MD Podcast. I am your host, Dan Ronan, joined as always with my co-host, Mike Bowling. How you doing today, Mike? I'm doing well, man. We've got a few dynasty football leagues already started up, so I'm super excited. It feels like fantasy's back. It feels like football's back. I know we're still a little while off, but, you know, just getting that excitement rolling, and we have a fantasy-focused episode today. Yeah, we'll be covering the running back position for 2019 fantasy on this episode, episode 57. So uh, we'll get right into it because there's a ton of content. We're going to be covering the top 24 running backs today. So we'll get right started. To keep it real simple, you know, we both agree on pretty much the top two running backs, 1A and 1B, being Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley. There's not much that we want to touch on. Anything you want to say, Mike? Or No, we both know they're going to get a ton of work. They're both durable, reliable, and they both just happen to be really good at football. So we, there's not really much to say for those guys. They should be the top two running backs going off the board. Elliott, Barkley... But let's keep it right here with our consensus running back three, and that is Saints running back Alvin Kamara. He was far and away the running back one without Mark Ingram during the first four weeks, and he was still the running back eight on a per-game basis once Ingram returned. Now, even without Ingram, I still don't think his workload is going to increase that much. He's not really built to handle that workload. That's not really his strong suit. And they did bring in Latavius Murray, who I think can punch it in once they're close to the goal line within the 10-yard line. So... I don't think it's going to limit his upside. We know what he can do when he has the ball. That's just what differentiates him from uh, Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott for me. He doesn't have the whole backfield locked up. Yeah, and just Sean Payton being the really good coach that he is, he just likes to keep fresh legs in the backfield. So Kamara's top-tier value will kind of always be capped in that sense because they they want to win games in, in New Orleans, and it's kind of best for the team to make sure that Kamara is healthy and ready to go. It's just kind of the best way for them to put together wins. Um, But like we said with uh, Zeke and Saquon being 1A and 1B, we actually feel that there's another situation here with 2A and 2B being (laughs) Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, same deal. He has all the usage that you obviously want. You saw that offseason photo of him looking shredded, jacked, you know, looking in tip-top shape. Something to be very excited for, and you know he he really has proved it. You know there was a couple of questions coming into his rookie season whether he could hold down a backfield as a workhorse back, whether he could run in between the tackles, whether he can you know really shoulder the load of a premier back in the NFL, and he's shown that he's able to do that. He- yeah, I really don't have any concerns about Christian McCaffrey getting injured. Anyone can get injured, and we've seen. He's just a special case. He can hold up over that workload. I'm really not concerned there. But there are some questions on that offense that keep him, again, out of that top two tier for me. And one being Cam Newton's health. You have DJ Moore, wide receiver. Does he take a step forward, become more involved? And do the Panthers even decide to let McCaffrey keep that insane workload that he had last year? I think there were four games where he didn't miss a single snap last year. So that type of workload, do the Panthers want to let him keep on running with that? I'm not sure. But regardless... He's one of the top options at the position, no questions asked. And now we'll move right on to number five, and we have running back Melvin Gordon, and I really don't have much to say about him when he's healthy. I think he's one of the best three running backs in football. I think he would push for that tier with Ezekiel Elliott, with Saquon Barkley. Even when he was healthy last year, he was the third most consistent player on a per-game basis, and only Todd Gurley has more touchdowns than Melvin Gordon over the last three seasons. The problem is, he does get banged up. That's the difference maker. He only played a full 16 games once in his four-year career. He missed five games last year, so the risk is there, but he's a potential week-end league winner when he's on the field. 
Oh, absolutely. And the only real thing that makes me drop him down in my rankings slightly is also the fact that they love Austin Eckler in that offense. He is going to have some amount of usage. You know, Melvin Gordon is the guy, don't get me wrong. They love to use him in all facets of the game. He runs the ball well inside and outside the tackles, as well as catching the ball out of the backfield. But Austin Eckler is a very talented player, somebody who does get involved into that offense. And just in general, Phillip Rivers, when you have that veteran quarterback, they are not afraid to let Phillip Rivers, you know, go off and really throw the ball and run that offense through them. So, but the next running back that we have at number six overall, right outside the top five, is David Johnson. This is a guy who, in all honesty, nobody would be surprised, Mike nor I would be surprised, if he was the number one fantasy running back at the end of the year. I'd be a little surprised. <laughs> really? Like, he's, he's as talented as it gets. Yeah. Realistically, the reason why he had the down year, even from a fantasy standpoint, was just because of how terrible the Cardinals were last year. Yeah. Now, they didn't really upgrade the offensive line too much, but with upgrading the quarterback position, upgrading the talent in the offense in general, on the perimeter with the wide receivers that they brought in, I am expecting David Johnson to have a huge, huge bounce back year this year, and... I get the questions around him, but skill-wise, he might be the best running back in the NFL. He can really do it all better than most of the other top-tier running backs. The only thing that knocks his ranking down a peg is we're a little, we have a lot of question marks surrounding that offense as of right now, especially being led by a rookie signal caller in a Kyler Murray. Yeah, and things did get better once Coach Mike McCoy got fired last year. David Johnson went from 8.3 to 9.3 yards per reception, and his yards per carry rose from 3 to almost 4 yards per carry. So not drastic improvements, nothing amazing, but definitely better. The real difference was that in 2016, that was his monster season, David Johnson had 33 attempts inside the 10 zone. He had just 15 last year. That's going to be a noticeable difference. Now, like you were saying on the bright side, I do think that their offense improves, especially bringing in a coach like Cliff Kingsbury, regardless of what you think that means for the franchise. His offenses, or his collegiate offenses, I should say, were humming. So, especially from the running back position. So, hopefully, bright days ahead for David Johnson. And now we'll move right on to number seven here. And this is one of the tougher players to rank. We have Todd Gurley, who was... The most dominant running back in football last year with double-digit fantasy points in 13 of his 14 games played. And we know that if Gurley's healthy and getting a full workload, he should probably be a lot higher than 7th in our rankings. But I really am concerned about his knee. And this offseason, the Rams paid up to keep Malcolm Brown on the team. They traded up in the draft to pick up Daryl Henderson. And they still have John Kelly on the roster. Now, I don't think any of those guys are real threats to Gurley. But I do think the Rams could pull back from his workload a little bit, which could still leave him with plenty opportunity to be productive. But I'm kind of hedging my bets here until we get more clarity on that situation. Yeah, no doubt. Like you said, Gurley, when he's on his game and he's playing, he really is easily a top five, if not the best fantasy running back in all of football. But like you said, there's questions around his usage. It seems like it's trending in the direction where if they want to keep him healthy, they're going to have to dial back his usage a little bit. And the Rams are pretty conservative with their injured players. If someone's injured, they keep them off the field. They have plenty of talent. They don't need yeah. anyone on the field. They don't have to be there. Up next at number eight overall, we have Le'Veon Bell. Um, this is definitely a guy that Mike is a little bit higher than I am. I had Le'Veon Bell, I think, right outside my top 10, mainly because I think there's a lot of question marks when you sit out an entire year. It's hard to replicate football shape. I get working out. You know, you have access to the best personal trainers in the country, no doubt, but football shape is 
very specific. If you're not actually playing, if you're not getting hit every day, it's tough to reacclimate to the game and think that he'll be just as good as he always was right from day one. Yeah, well, I still like to think that he's one of the more talented running backs in football, and I know that the Jets should be better this year, but like you said, I mean, Sam Darnold's not where Big Ben's at in his career. That's a downgrade on the offensive line, and there's a big downgrade in terms of offensive weapons that Bell's going to have to work with this year, taking the attention off of him. But like you said, he's going to get the workload when you give someone that much money. He's going to be super involved. So I get wanting to avoid Le'Veon Bell or bumping him down in your rankings. I'm just kind of banking on the talent here. But we'll move right on to Bell's replacement in Pittsburgh, and that's James Conner. Last year, he had 215 carries, 973 yards, and 12 touchdowns on top of 50 receptions. Great year for James Conner. Kind of, I don't think anyone was really expecting that type of year from him. I was. That, touch, that touchdown efficiency was insane, though. He He's played 13 games, scored 12 touchdowns. That's pretty incredible. I don't know if that's going to repeat just from an efficiency standpoint. Those numbers typically tend to regress. But I think we have a large enough sample size of watching the Steelers running back to know that they're going to want to run one guy. And that guy's probably going to be pretty productive. And there's also over 200 targets up for grabs with Antonio Brown and Jesse James leaving the team. So I think the 70 targets targets that James Conner saw last year, that's definitely repeatable. I don't know if we see his workload increase, but I think he's a pretty safe option for 2019. No, you're absolutely right. I think you absolutely nailed it. That's the perfect way to describe James Conner. He's going to be one of your more safe picks for this upcoming season. It's just that role in that offense. Now, the big loss for that offense, in my opinion, is actually not on the field. That's Mike Munchak, the offensive line coach. Losing him is going to be very impactful, in my opinion, but even still, I would definitely expect James Conner to repeat a very similar stat line. They like to use the running back there, and I still expect the Steelers to be a competitive team. Maybe not the best team in the division like they've been for the past 5 to 10 years, but no doubt still a competitive team. So I believe James Conner is a top 10 fantasy running back this year. And now moving right along to number 10, we have Browns running back Nick Chubb. Once he was the starter in 2018, that was from week 7 on. He performed as a top 10 guy. Great season there. But he really didn't play a role in the passing game. He saw about three targets per game when he was the starter. We know that's going to lower his ceiling a little bit. And he's really the first player in these rankings that we haven't seen involved in the passing game. However, I do think he can play that role. It's just not likely that we're going to see it with Odell Beckham Jr. on the team, Jarvis Landry, Antonio Callaway, David Njoku, Duke Johnson, even Kareem Hunt, once he comes back in, he's a very capable pass catcher. So I don't think we're going to see Chubb used in that way. So that's going to cap his ceiling slightly. And then of course, speaking of Kareem Hunt, that's a bit of a scare for the second half of the year. I do think Chubb is just as good of a runner, if not better. But you have a very talented player in Kareem Hunt coming back halfway through the season. You have to figure he's going to cut in with some fresh legs, even if Chubb remains the guy. No, absolutely. I, I have a lot of faith in Chubb. You know from last season that I have been adamant. I have been on yeah. top of Chubb for a very long time. He's one of my favorite running backs in the NFL. But I see the question marks that you mentioned. Uh, they're legitimate question marks around him. We really don't know what that offense is going to look like this year. Everything that you've seen beforehand, you got to throw out. That being said, I still have a lot of faith in Nick Chubb. I think he's going to be a top 12 running back this year in RB1. Huge usage. And by the time that Kareem Hunt finally does come back... Ah, I think he'll be so solidified in his position. I don't see Kareem Hunt really making too much of a push. We'll move right on to our number 11 ranked running back. That's Joe Mixon. He came in, you know, with a lot of question marks surrounding him because of some off the field issues, but he's been dynamite as a player ever since he's got on the field. He can maintain a whole workload. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. He really offers you everything. The only problem that I have with Joe Mixon this year that keeps him outside the top 10 for us is because... 
they just really didn't build the offense anywhere else except for that backfield, which just kind of brings in competition for Joe Mixon. As good as he is, the strategy that the Bengals implored this offseason doesn't really give me confidence in Joe Mixon's 2019 season. We have him inside of our top 12 out of respect of what he's done out of the past few years, but definitely somebody who I think offers a little bit more risk than some of the other guys we've covered so far. Yeah, Mixon actually comes in at 9 for me. I'm just a huge fan of him as a player. I think he's just as talented as some of the top guys that we have ranked at this position. And even last year, when he was on the field and things were going right, I mean, he averaged the third most rushing yards per game in 2018. The guy's a complete stud. But like you said, the Bengals just aren't a team that I have a lot of trust in. So it's tough to not project some dud games there. And of course, the potential for this entire offense to be a dumpster fire is there. But like I said, when things are going right for Joe Mixon, he's just as good as anyone else at the running back position, in my opinion. And now coming in at number 12, we have Devonta Freeman. And Dan, I'll kind of let you take this one over because you just talked me up. I had him down at 18, but his knee injuries, they do concern me. Those lower extremity issues, those definitely concern me for the future potential of any player. But we do know that the Falcons want to build their offense around Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Devonta Freeman. And I'm a big fan of Steve Sarkeesian being gone. He just didn't really utilize Freeman in the passing game. We know Dirk Cutter coming in. We've seen the history of him utilizing his running backs in the passing game so I definitely like that but this is your guy I'll kind of let you take it from here yeah I mean people just you know they cast Devonta Freeman aside I know Tevin Coleman was really cutting into his workload there in Atlanta but Tevin Coleman's now gone and Ito Smith still remains he I'm not saying that he's not going to touch the ball but I really do think they're going to have full confidence in Devonta Freeman taking the bulk of the work just don't forget guys that just a few years ago when Devonta Freeman was commanding that entire backfield in 2015 he was the number one fantasy running back and then 2016 he was a top five or ten running back I can't think off the top of my head but he was a top five or ten guy then a couple down seasons a couple injuries a little bit less usage led to him you know having a little bit of a couple down years but I really do believe in Devonta Freeman being a full-time RB1 this year I actually have him more as a top eight kind of guy. I really do believe in Devonta Freeman this year. And now coming in at number 13, we have Leonard Fournette. And I think a lot of people are kind of forgetting just how good Fournette is. Obviously, last year he had some injuries. There was a suspension and just a down year for Jacksonville overall. But he's been a running back two or better in 71.4% of his career games played. The only running backs to have a higher percentage of running back two finishes are Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, Christian McCaffrey, David Johnson, and LaShawn McCoy over their careers. That's only nine guys. So he's 10th in finishing as a running back two over his career games. That's pretty impressive. And that was despite having Blake Bortles and a train wreck of an offensive line for his entire career. Now, the concerns, the main concerns for me are his injuries. That's why I was down on him last year. But he was also going as a first round pick last year. Now doing some mock drafts, I've been seeing him go in the third or the fourth round. I think for the upside that he provides, remember he was a running, he was a top 10 running back once he returned from injury near the end of the season last year. So if you can get that type of upside in the third or fourth round, no one else is providing that for you. Oh, no doubt. I don't think there's any question about Leonard Fournette's real skill set and his abilities. The questions are, are this. One, can he stay healthy? And two, that offense really has nothing else going for it. And I understand that they got rid of Blake Bortles and they brought in Nick Foles, who I will absolutely agree is a step up from Blake Bortles. But Nick Foles doesn't also have the you know talent around him that he's set up for success the way he was in Philadelphia. So I do still think that's going to be kind of an issue. You know, I think Leonard Fournette is going to be 
the workhorse guy, but I also think that's a little predictable, and that's kind of what takes away from Leonard Fournette. And now coming in at number 14, we have another player that's in a similar boat when it comes to injuries with Leonard Fournette, and that is Minnesota Vikings running back Dalvin Cook. He started off 2018 injured. That definitely slowed him down a little bit, and then we saw a change in the offensive philosophy for the Vikings towards the end of the season. There was a shift towards the run game, and from weeks 12 to 16, Dalvin Cook was the running back six in fantasy. He was getting almost 17 touches per game when he was healthy, and he's just a very versatile player, a great pass catcher. He averaged 4.7 yards per carry over his first two seasons, and he's still just 23 years old. I think he's kind of similar to Joe Mixon, where I think Dalvin Cook can really take that step forward in 2019, and of course, like I said, he still has his injury concerns, which scare me off a little bit, but his upside, if it pans out, could make him a steal in drafts. Yeah, this is a guy that I, I struggle with because you know that I was a huge fan of Dalvin Cook yeah, he burned you. in his first couple seasons. And yeah, exactly. He just never produced in the way that I was ready for him to produce. And I, I got to say, I don't really have too much confidence in that offensive line unit. They didn't really improve it the way that I thought they needed to this offseason. And as much as there is so much talent in that offense... It just doesn't seem to be clicking. They need to find a way to really gel better as a unit because they have plenty of talent. They just need to, like I said, they need to gel better. They need to figure it out. Somebody that I'm a little bit lower on than you are, but maybe that's just because, like I said, like you said, I've been burdened by him before and it's almost one of those guys where I'm like secretly hoping for his success. It's just, I'm not banking on it for fantasy purposes. Up next at 15, we have Josh Jacobs. Now, this is really one of the only rookie running backs worth noting, and the reason why we have him at 15 is because it seems like he's going to be in a situation where he's going to get plus usage, but Jacobs is a guy that really gives you everything you want, and the number one thing that he brings that most people are going to overlook is he excels in pass protection, which is going to keep him on the field when Derek, Derek Carr is, you know on third and long situations. And on those third and long situations, Josh Jacobs might be able to slip out and get the ball in space and create big plays. He's just one of the few guys this year who's coming into a situation where he's got the talent and he's going into a positive situation. Yeah, we have him at 15 because, I, like I said, I don't think he's a perfect prospect, but I don't see a lot of holes in his game either. There's just a lot of moving pieces on the Raiders offense. We don't know how that's all going to come together. So it's kind of a wait and see, but I think for the situation and what we have seen from him on the field during his uh, time in college, it looks like he's primed for some success. But I think we're hedging a little bit at 15. It's kind of a safe ranking there. We won't really know till we know. I think he's one of the safer bets, especially if you're in a dynasty league, though. Big fan of grabbing Jacobs. And now we'll move right along to our number 16 ranked running back. And that is Indianapolis Colts running back Marlon Mack. And when he returned from his injury in 2018, he averaged 17 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown per game during that time. The only issue is he averaged just over one reception per game during that time as well. Naeem Hines really had that pass-catching running back role locked up, so it looks like his ceiling is going to be capped. But I'm just buying into the Colts, having one of the better offenses in the NFL. I think Mac's going to be one of the prime beneficiaries of that, and it's as simple as that. Right on board with everything you said there. Not too much to argue with. Like you said, the one downfall of his game is the fact that Naheem Hines seems to be the more competent pass catcher. But no doubt, he was as talented and as productive as any running back in the league last year. So, a, a ton of confidence in Marlon Mack's 2019 fantasy value. We'll move right on to my boy. A guy that <laughs> you know that I've been so high on. I've been 
literally pounding the table for the Tennessee Titans to figure out how they need to get this guy more involved and get him more production. And I think it's as simple as this. You just need to use him. I, I know he's not the... I didn't even mention the fact that I'm talking about Derrick Henry here. <laughs> yeah, you forgot his name. But, he's um, still traumatized. I'm just so like <laughs> upset about Derrick Henry because I really do think he's one of the top-tier running backs in the game. I get that he doesn't offer you that pass-catching ability. But that doesn't mean you can't give him that opportunity. Let him stay in on obvious passing situations. Let him pass block. And let him catch a couple of balls so that you're not projecting what you're about to do when he's on the field. That's the problem with the way they use him right now. They use him in obvious rushing situations, goal-to-go situations, real short down-and-distance situations. And that just, you know, it's too predictable. And when you're too predictable, obviously it's not going to lead to production. So, it might be wishful thinking. This ranking for Derrick Henry is kind of based on the wishful thinking because we've seen how badly it can hurt if he doesn't get the usage that he deserves. He was what? running back 30 or 40 for the majority of the season until he broke out the past couple of weeks. So we're very scared that that might happen again. But we are banking on the fact that the Tennessee Titans learn from their mistakes. They had a top-tier running back at the end of the season when they finally started to use him properly. We're hoping that they figure out how to use him properly all season long. Yeah, 48% of Derrick Henry's fantasy points from 2018 came between weeks 14 and 16. He was essentially unusable before that point. Now, the Titans are coming out and saying that they want to build their team around him, and that's exactly what he needs. If Derrick Henry isn't getting 20 or more carries per game, the production just isn't going to be there. Now, my main question is, are the Titans going to be in the type of game scripts where they'll be able to give Henry that type of rushing workload? Because he's not being used in the passing game as of right now so if there is a chance that they're going to be behind they're going to be throwing the ball a lot he might get game scripted out that's why we have him a little bit lower but it's also a contract year for Derrick Henry so the Titans kind of have to figure out what they have in him so maybe we do see him get that monster share of the backfield of course Deion Lewis is still there but maybe they'll really commit to giving Henry 20 plus touches per game and I think he will provide us a solid running back too at the very least and next up here coming in at our consensus running back 18 is Philip Lindsay and and this is a spot we really disagreed on. I saw you had him up at 13. I have him all the way back at 22. So a pretty big discrepancy there. And I see a lot of guys ranking him pretty high upwards of their top 12. And I'm really just not as high on him. I know he was great in 2018, but I think his offensive line did him a lot of favors. The Broncos were top 10 in run blocking. They just opened up a lot of solid holes for some big gains and they improved their offensive line. So that can happen again. I'm just not sold on him being able to hold up to a full workload at just 5'8", 190 pounds. He only had three games in 2018 with over 15 carries, which I know that's fine. That's kind of the direction that the NFL is going towards with these pass catching running backs. But I just think he should be ranked as such and not as a true RB1 or on that or around that tier. You know, guys like Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey, who I have ranked in my top five that might not blow you away with their carry totals. They're first of all, there's more talented than Philip Lindsay, but they're also way more involved in the passing game. Lindsay had just 47 targets last year. So if he's not getting those elite carry totals or elite target totals, then I don't really see if the production is going to be there for a projecting towards a top 12 finish. Now, this is just one of those situations where, like you said, we disagree majorly. And it's because not that your numbers are wrong. I know you do a lot of with the analytics and everything, but there's some times where you just got to look at the play on the field and he might not be getting those total touches that you know you look for. But that's because, don't forget, just last year, they also drafted Royce Freeman in the second or third round. So they were really expecting Royce Freeman to be their starting running back. And then they have this kid emerge who went undrafted. He's undersized. He's 
I understand you could throw every excuse out there in the book to not like Philip Lindsay, but let's just look at it for what it is. He is one of the most talented backs in the NFL. He's one of the most toughest, nastiest running backs in the NFL. He makes big plays. He takes carries right up the middle for 50-yard gains, 60-yard gains, and that's why he doesn't need that top-tier usage because he makes big plays. He's got an awesome offensive line unit in front of him. Like you said, they were great last year. They improved by drafting Dalton Risner. They improved by bringing in probably the best offensive line coach in all of the NFL in Mike Munchak. So the offense is much improved. The defense is always good. We know that. And just Philip Lindsay in general, he might not quantify well based on the numbers and all this, He's one of those guys you got to throw that out. Devonta Freeman was the same thing. Too small, too many excuses. Oh, he can't do this right. He can't do that right. He can't. These are the type of players that I just got to remind you guys. You cannot quantify heart. You cannot quantify discipline, you know, drive, determination, hunger, and just physicality. And Philip Lindsay brings it all to the table. Easy top 15 guy to me. I see why he doesn't match your scale as more of an analytics type of guy. You really base off of what you can quantify. This is a guy that I don't think is ever going to stack up as far as quantifying or, you know, as far as analytics is concerned. But sometimes you got to throw off, throw that all out the window and really look at the play on the field. And by far, one of the better running backs in the NFL offers you everything, if not more. Well, I mean, if he if he keeps breaking off 40, 50 yard runs, then yeah, he's going to be there. It's just that's not something that typically repeats on a consistent basis. So maybe that's why I like you in our consensus rankings, though, because you're way higher on him than I would be, and I'm way lower on him than you would be. So we kind of meet in the middle and give you guys a kind of a safe picture of where he could end up in a good way to value these guys. So I think it works out there. And we'll keep it rolling here as we round out our top 20. Coming in at 19, we have Mark Ingram, and I really don't have much to say about him. He's going to a super run-heavy team, and there I don't see that changing with the way that Lamar Jackson currently throws the ball, and it's not a depth chart that scares me. I'm not projecting a workhorse role or anything like that. I know other guys are going to get factored in, but I think there's plenty of opportunity for Mark Ingram to be productive. I think he's plenty talented, and he's going to get the work So, you know, I think he's a safe top 20 guy, even though that top 12 upside might not be there anymore. Yeah, I see what you mean with Mark Ingram. You know, like you said, super run heavy offense is going to really bode well for him. Not to mention, there's not too much competition. I really think the guy that they brought in, Justice Hill, is really more of a complimentary piece. Mark Ingram is going to be that guy that they can use in pretty much every down and distance, every situation. He really can catch the ball, although those duties kind of fell to Alvin Kamara in the Saints offense last year and then the past couple years but Mark Ingram is capable he can do really everything that you want a running back to do so I have a lot of confidence in Mark Ingram being a top 20 guy he he falls in at 20 right here I could see him being a little bit higher a little bit lower but a solid RB2 nonetheless I like Mark Ingram's game for 2019 fantasy football. And the next running back we'll be speaking of is Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle is a guy who, you know, it's kind of a little maddening the fact that he never really got the usage that you were hoping for because he's got a ton of talent and the New England Patriots drafted him very early. They never drafted a running back in the first round and they took him last year in the first round. So you kind of expected more, but it's also what the Patriots do. And that's what's kind of capping Michelle's production and, and you know, just having him any higher in our rankings is the fact that they're going to still use James White. They're going to be cycling in running backs. They just drafted Damian Harris this year. So they're going to continue to work on a committee. That's what New England does. So as good as Sony Michelle is, really the best you can have him is at is as an RB2. 
And honestly, that might even be a little too high for him. He might even be an RB3 flex option. I do feel a little bit differently about Michelle. I know the stats were never really there in 2018. Injuries certainly slowed him down, especially early on. But he blew up in the playoffs, averaging 112 rushing yards per game. He also had two touchdowns during that three-game span. And I also don't want to be blinded by that either because Sony Michelle does not catch the football. He was seven receptions for 50 yards on the season. So there may be some inconsistency if he's not catching passes. But he has some huge upside on that offense, especially in the touchdown department. And I get what you're saying as well about the Patriots being so game to game. You know there's going to be two to three times in 2018 where he touches the ball two to three times. So definitely not the most reliable, but that's why we have him down here at 20. I think his upside is huge though. And now we'll move right on to our 21st ranked running back. And that is Aaron Jones, a guy that I was super high on last year. I thought he was going to be a steal, especially with his early season suspension. Once he came back, it didn't really work that way. It took him a little while to get that starting job, but the talent is there. He's averaged 5.5 yards per carry in consecutive seasons and was on pace for 220 carries, 1,200 yards, and 16 touchdowns once he got the starting job. That's that's Alvin Kamara type efficiency right there. And the only reason why I'm a little bit lower on him is because there's just no clear commitment to him as the guy. Matt LaFleur has already been talking about getting both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams involved in the backfield. I think Jones is the clear better player but of course it comes down to coaching staff if he's not going to get utilized like a workhorse then you can't really project that level of production either so that's why we have him down a little lower yeah and he's just a guy where his situation to me is similar to that of Philip Lindsay where he's the more talented back in the backfield and they wasted so much time not letting him be the guy right they started off the season with Jamal Williams Aaron Jones had some kind of well, suspension right for two, so for two games yeah. so that's understandable but no doubt they wasted a lot of time just keeping Jamal Williams involved when when Aaron did finally get back and and that kind of capped his season long production so just a guy that you're hoping this year kind of is the starting running back even if he's in some kind of committee because it's very rare that you know you get a one running back team nowadays it's very rare so the committee adding Jamal Williams into the mix whatever it might be doesn't really scare me so much as long as they don't waste the time that they did last season trying to make other guys happen when Aaron Jones is clearly the best running back on your depth chart and he should be the starter. Even if he's not getting every snap, every touch, that's fine. But he'll have a lot higher ceiling and floor for the season-long projection as long as he is the guy straight from week one, which I imagine he will be. So somebody who definitely will probably improve on his 2018 season. The next guy is somebody that, you know, I was very high on as a rookie and he finally broke out in the middle of the season and that's on Johnson. He didn't start right off the bat being the number one back there as well. It took him a little time to grab the reins and really become the guy, but we saw many times last season and although he was a little inconsistent, had some up and downs, we saw at times him being a full workhorse back, he can run it, he can catch it, he can make plays. And that was kind of what I was expecting when he was coming out of Auburn, going into the situation that he was going to with the Detroit Lions really being the best running back on the depth chart. And it's going to happen again this year. Just another situation similar to, you know, like I just mentioned with Aaron Jones, a guy who, if they don't waste as much time giving, you know, other guys carries and letting on Johnson be the guy right from the start... It'll definitely impact 
his fantasy production and give him a better 2019 season. Yeah, and I think you'll be pretty happy with Kerryon Johnson as your RB2. He was the RB14 once he returned from injury last season. That's probably right around where his ceiling is. I think he has the skill set to play on all three downs, but I don't think that's exactly how he'll be used with Theo Riddick and CJ Anderson joining the team this season. And I'm just not really in love with the Lions offense. So we've got to temper expectations, but I could see a top 15 ceiling in the cards for him. Uh, top 20 guy like you said for sure definitely someone I wouldn't mind targeting as my running back too and now we'll move over to our consensus RB 23 and that's Chris Carson and looking back at 2018 if you take out his first two games where he really wasn't getting the majority workload during those two weeks Carson was averaging the fourth most touches per game in the NFL from week three on he had the fifth most carries in the 10 zone the fourth most carries inside the five yard line he was actually the running back five from weeks 11 to 17 I know that he dealt with injuries and that's just it's gonna come with his physical running style and I also don't think he's the most talented running back not even in his own backfield I think Rashad Penny is more talented but he gets it done he's just one of those gritty physical players that he's gonna fight for yardage and that's what the Seahawks want they want to pound the ball and that's what Chris Carson can do so I think this backfield is his to lose and as long as he's the starting running back as long as he's healthy he should be pretty productive as a solid RB2 just not that top tier upside and you have to factor in the Rashad Penny scare of course yeah, well, uh, you know, I think you're right. You nailed it. On a heavy running team, there should be plenty of confidence in Chris Carson, especially with how productive he's been when given the opportunity. But you know, like you said, it just scares you because he's really not the best running back there. They drafted Rashad Penny very high, invested a lot of draft capital into him. you got to imagine that he's going to get a fair shake this year. And yes, Chris Carson's been good. and I think he's like a seventh-round pick. Yeah, but the, <laughs> you don't but the thing that, that scares you is the fact that you're not so confident that that's not going to happen again this year. With guys like Kerryon Johnson, Aaron Jones, Phillip Lindsay, you're pretty positive that those are going to now be the guys right from the start, right from week one. Barring injury, they should be the workhorse backs from the majority of the seasons for their respective teams. You can't really confidently say that about Carson. And as good as he is and as how many touches he has, he should even be a little bit higher in our rankings. But those question marks, those scares surrounding his usage and his potential are still imminent. And that's why we barely squeeze him in as an RB2. Yeah, and that kind of becomes the theme here with a lot of these RB2s near the fringe back end. And I really punted with my ranking here coming in at number 24. I currently have Kenyon Drake there, but... I'll be honest, I'm not overly confident in that call. I was really going between Drake, James White, Tariq Cohen was in the mix there. I know you had Geis and Jordan Howard, even David Montgomery was kind of in the conversation. I think all of those guys, probably even a few others, are on that fringe back-end RB2 tier where a guy like Kenyon Drake, he could very well end the season in the top 20, just like he did in 2018. But as we explained during our Under the Microscope series, over the course of a season, they aren't always providing consistent production. Like we're talking about Kenyon Drake, he was the RB17 last year, but he was 28th in consistency. You really couldn't rely on him week to week. The only reason I have him at 24 is that I'm pretty confident that he has control over that backfield. He's an explosive player. He contributes in the passing game. Last season, he had 53 receptions for 477 yards and five touchdowns through the air. So I think the upside is there, but especially with that Dolphins offense, there's going to be some consistency concerns. And that's with a lot of these back end guys here. Any one of them can really be slid in. No, absolutely. And, you know, I kind of did the same thing in my rankings right here at the 24 spot. I had a couple of guys that I was really torn between. So I kind of gave like a, a choice, so to speak, really like a 
really didn't commit to any one player. But the three guys that I really like were Jordan Howard, Darius Geis, and David Montgomery. David Montgomery, I'll start off with because he's going to be the easiest to, ex to explain. And that's just because Tariq Cohen, to me, is not and will never be a workhorse back. He can't do it. He's too small. He's, you know, he's not that guy. David Montgomery, on the other hand, I really do think he can come in and really handle the first and second down work, and Tariq Cohen will be more of a third down change of pace back. As for my other two guys, Darius Geis was somebody who I was high on in the rankings last year, obviously because of injury and, you know, he wasn't given the opportunity, but I imagine that this year he's got to be the guy they turn towards. The real question mark around Darius Geis is, you know, they still have Adrian Peterson in the building. They still have Samaj P. Ryan. They still have... Samaj P. Ryan. <laughs> Watch out for P. Ryan. I mean, he's still there, you know what I'm saying? Know. No, they, they got people back there. And Chris Thompson, Chris Thompson gonna is going to catch, catch the ball out of the backfield yeah. for them. So there's just too much... It's too crowded back there to really say any one player, even though Geis was selected high in the draft for the Redskins. And uh, he is the be most talented player back there. The guy that I actually settled on, because, you know... I pretty much had to pick at least one somebody. I had to commit to somebody. That would be Jordan Howard was my 24. And that's because Jordan Howard has all the talent in the world. I've been saying for a couple of years now that the Chicago Bears have not been utilizing him in the proper way. He needs to be a full workhorse back. He's that type of guy. And he might not get all three downs with the Eagles, but I easily see him dominating the first and second down work. And possibly, you know, maybe even throughout the season, if other guys get injured, maybe becoming that full three down guy that he's completely capable of being. Those are the three guys that I really like at this point, you know, at the back end of you're looking for your RB2, RB3 flex guys. These are the guys that, in my opinion, worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, the three down back potential for Jordan Howard is a little bit in question for me. I don't really know how he is as a pass catcher. He was supposed to have really improved on that last season and we just didn't see it. But I do like his situation in the Philadelphia offense. I just think, again, we have to have him a little bit lower. He's on that fringe running back two radar because there's going to be inconsistent weeks. If he becomes the LeGarrette Blunt of old for Philadelphia Eagles, getting that goal line work, getting touchdowns, he's going to be productive, but it's not going to be every single week. And that's the same with a lot of these guys. We just don't know how it's going to shake out. That's why there's kind of a juggling of names here at the back end of the RB2 class, which we'll sort out as we get closer to the season. These are just names to keep in mind, and I think this is a pretty safe list of the guys that will be factoring in as the top options at the position, and that's all that we have for you guys here with that being said. So I hope you enjoyed these rankings. If you haven't, make sure you go back, listen to our quarterback rankings episode. We're doing early rankings for each position. So over the next few weeks, we'll have wide receivers and tight ends, giving you guys an early look at who the top guys at the position should be. Of course, there's going to be shakeups with some free agents that still have to sign. There's going to be injuries, unfortunately. There's going to be people breaking out during offseason practices and the preseason games. So there's going to be some changes, but it's good to get these names in your mind in a somewhat order, and then you can make adjustments from there. So that's all we have for you guys today. Until next week, guys.